Hello Turkaholics, welcome back to Football a la Turka, your weekly dose of the excitement, controversy and crazy world of Turkish football. My name is Kam Bayezid and I am joined this week by a little bit of a different panel. We have Umut Nadere, as always, Jakub Marofolo, Uzar Dinger, Man of the Law, Burak Hilmas isn't here, but filling in for him is Pat Cox. Pat, it's been a while since we talked to you, thank you for joining us and uh, filling in for Burak. You're very welcome. Yeah, it's been a while, but it's uh, good to be back as always. And um, yeah, looking forward to another interesting week's football. Definitely. It's been another uh, crazy week in Turkish football. Uh, but before we get to that, it's been a fantastic uh, world of, of controversy once again in Turkish football. But so much happened outside of the world of, of football this week that, that just transcends uh, everything. And let's start first and foremost with uh, the big earthquake that hit Elaza earlier this week um, that also hit the neighboring uh, province of Malatya. There's been tremors throughout uh, the week, really. Uh, I, I know that my, my friends currently staying in Izmir, there were a couple of tremors there. I believe yesterday there was one, or, or even today there was one in Manisa, and uh, it's been a little bit crazy. The region has been uh, hit hard, but uh, I believe the one in Elaza was 6.8 on the Richter scale. Uh, many people hurt, injured, dead, deaths even. So uh, before we uh, continue talking about football, let's just first... Uh, yeah, give our condolences to the families that lost their homes and got injured, that even lost uh, family members and, and loved ones in uh, that terrible... Uh, yeah. I think you've covered everything really quite nicely, and it's, our thoughts go out to everyone um, who, was, who, was in, who was affected by that, and hopefully there's no repeat anytime soon. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, Turkey is kind of on that... Uh, uh, on that, that area where all where the, the what did they call them the tectonic plates fault line yeah yeah, yeah the fault lines yeah, yeah. so it's, it's kind of a a reoccurring phenomenon in Turkey that uh, there, there's earthquakes quite uh, regularly but six point eight is uh, of course exceptional yeah and uh, that's not the only thing that happened of course. This week, another uh, tragedy in, in, in the world of sport and even beyond that, really, as uh, Kobe Bryant uh, passed away in a tragic helicopter crash. And not just Kobe Bryant, but also his daughter, his 13-year-old daughter, uh, another father, I believe, and, and his daughter. Uh, they were going to, I believe, the basketball game of uh, Kobe's daughter. And uh, that was quite shocking as well. And uh, the whole world really in shock about that. Um, that's right. I know you went to the Chicago Bulls game uh, this past uh, yesterday. Yeah. What happened there? Were yeah, that's any, right. Uh, yeah, I, I was there last. Yeah, I mean, I was I was there last night, and it was amazing to see. Obviously, the lights uh, of the of the arena outside were lit up in purple and gold, which was nice, and there were banners for Kobe and everything. But it was really quite amazing to see how many people showed up wearing a Lakers Brian shirt, um, which is probably something that's quite unprecedented in a in a in a Bulls game, particularly given the kind of. The loyalty to the colours and the legend of of Jordan and everything. So it was quite an a, quite an amazing occasion. Uh, had a moment of silence and and a nice tribute at the start of the game. And it was it was quite a kind of a sombre start to the match because of that. As he said before, his legacy kind of transcends basketball and transcends sport overall. He was such an inspirational icon, um, and his 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 loss is is something that still a lot of people, all of ourselves included, finding it very hard to. To stomach really um and yes yeah, so really really sad loss really sad loss yeah he was he was just 41 years old um leaves behind him a wife and, and three 
uh, more dollars, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, yeah, yeah. and even Turkish. even from a Turkish connection as well. He he was of course the, the Turkish Airlines brand ambassador for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, appeared in a few um, fun ad- advertisements for the for the airline. Of course, he he was invited to Galatasaray and in 2011 to to um, have a kick about on the pitch, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. What a guy and, and what a character, and he'll be sorely, sorely missed. There was only one, Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace. Yeah. Any, uh, that's, a, that's a great ending there. I don't know, Jakub or, or, or Urmut, Pat, uh, if any of you want to add something to that. Well, he's always a uh, god to the theater was born, like, uh, after the 90s. Who mm-hmm. like, made uh, us love basketball, like I uh, started watching NBA like in 2002 around something and he was there every time like he's in Lakers he was yeah. like a hero for all the child all the kids and and even the uh, bigger ones like uh, all the people respect him and seeing him gone is really terrible you know uh First, I saw the news. Uh, I thought, like, let this be a joke, please, because it looked like uh, unreal to me. Like mm-hmm. I was shaking, and I didn't uh, really uh, became aware of what happened. But uh, eventually, got to know that he was in a helicopter and he got crashed, and it's so bad. And I just want to. Uh, Say that I respect him really well and uh, really, really sorry for his loss. Yeah, for, for their family and of course everyone, all the Lakers fans and all the fans in general. Yeah. Jakub, I think you're a basketball fan, aren't you? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm actually a pretty, pretty new one. I started watching in 2013, but you know the the legends of of Kobe, his work ethic, the way he looked at games, the way the way he looked at footage, the way he was. Um, you know, open to learn and open to teach anyone what to do and how to train and just everything surrounding the guy is is just clouded in a in a in a in a cloud of uh, positivity. You know, and um, I I I still don't really get it to be honest. You know, when uh, when Umut uh, posted uh, uh, posted the link, I thought it was just one of his cruel jokes, maybe. I still, it, it just didn't hit me, you know, that it ha- actually happened. And I kept saying, I kept just thinking about it for the last couple of days. I don't normally get uh, get uh, really emotional by a celebrity death. But for some reason, this one is just, I don't know, man. He had a full career. Mm-hmm. He's one of the greatest uh, players to play the game. In my opinion, the greatest Lakers to ever play the game. He retired, his retirement, he re- his retirement game was one of, the best retirement yeah. game, sixty points, sixty points against the Utah Jazz, and it it still doesn't feel real for me. You know, I'm I'm looking through my Instagram feed, through my Twitter feed, and I keep seeing posts from, you know, seeing the posts from Shaq, seeing seeing LeBron break down in the on the airport. It it yeah. still doesn't feel real to me. You know, seeing all the love pour out from all the from all the um. The fans, celebrities, Jimmy Fallon crying on air, Jimmy Kimmel devoting a whole uh, his whole program just to all just to show all the segments with him and Kobe. 
I don't know, man. This this feels it, it it's it probably won't really dawn on me for a long time. And uh, you will you will be greatly missed. One of the greats to ever play the game, and gone too soon. Pat, yeah. anything to add? Yeah, I, th I think as um, as an icon, really, it's, uh, even I'm just uh, you know I can't believe it. I think with it coming so soon after um, LeBron, obviously, yeah, passing his, him in the number record. of points, yeah. and just kind of in a weird way, just being so close, I think really shook people up. Um, I know my, myself included, I think, you know, um, obviously a Euroleague fan uh, in Europe, but uh, follow sort of NBA very, very occasionally, but just to see such an icon who transcends not just basketball, but sport as well, is shocking. I, I, you know, even now it's just unbelievable really. So, you know, big, big thoughts and love and everything to his, his family and the families of those who also lost uh, family members in that terrible crash. It's, uh, yeah, difficult to, to fathom how we don't know a person like that. And I think I don't think any of us are massive NBA fans, maybe Jakub and, and Umut a little bit more. Um, but, I mean, for us, of course, football comes in the first place, but... You don't know this person personally, but still, it, I think it hit everyone. And um, yeah, it's, uh, of course, terrible when something like this happens. Um, but especially when it's somebody that's in the limelight and in, in the public eye and so famous, it, it just, uh, yeah, everyone seems to be uh, mourning. But yeah, let's, uh, let's move on to um, the, the happy and joyful world of Turkish football, where all the, the controversy... Uh, kind of melts away um, when you think about uh, more serious things like this. So let's get started with the Turkish Cup because plenty of things happened this week in uh, Turkish football as well. Starting off with the Turkish Cup, some shock eliminations. Uh, let's start off with the first one. Kikrali Spor actually managed to upset Başakşehir. here. Their match ended in a nil-nil draw after the away game in Istanbul had ended in a 1-1 draw. So Kikrali Spor true on goal differential there. Um, I believe they are in the third division, so that's uh, quite an upset. Then uh, the next one, Kasim Pasha Alanyaspor. Alanyaspor qualifying here despite a 3-2 loss in Istanbul, but they of course had previously uh, won 3-1, the aggregate scoreline here for the 5. Then Fenerbahce outing Kayseri Spore 2-0 at home. That was also the aggregate score as the first match had ended in a 0-0 draw. Besiktas going out against 2nd Division team Büyükşehirbirliği Erzurum Spore after losing 2-3 at Vodafone Park. The aggregate scoreline here, 4-6. to six. And this, of course, cost Abdullah Afci's, uh his job. He got sacked after the match, the day after, really. Uh, but I think it was pretty clear that he was going to get uh, sacked. And, of course, as we have learned since, Sergen Yelchin will be succeeding him at Besiktas. He is yet to be officially announced, though. But probably by the time that you're listening to this, it will, be a, will have been made official. Um, yeah, Besiktas even... 
going behind after just 30 seconds in this match, uh, but then getting back into it, making 2-1 even in the second half, which virtually saw them through, and then they just absolutely collapsed, kind of reminiscent of uh, their collapse in the Europa League against Club Brugge a couple of years ago, where they take the aggregate lead 1-0, the whole stadium uh, erupts, um, uh, yeah, and, and then they just give it away and end up losing 1-3 there, and then this, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of that, so very dramatic uh, exit for Besiktas against Erzurum Sport that weren't even playing their best 11, because of course they're in the race for promotion in the second division, they're currently in second place, if I'm not mistaken, so they weren't even playing all of their best players, so let that just uh, sink in for a moment there, so no surprise I think that Abdullah Avci uh, lost his job afterwards, given the bad results recently. And moving on to Malatya Sport, Sivas Sport. Malatya Sport winning this one 2-1, but on aggregate they go out 2-5 as Sivas Sport has had uh, previously smacked them about 4-0 in the first leg. And then Denizli Sport, Trabzon Sport. This match ending 2-0 in favor of Denizli Sport. Trabzon Sport had won the first leg 2-0, so we went to extra time, no goals. We went to penalties and there Trabzon Sport got the win on penalties. I believe it was 4-5, Jakub, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, otherwise, highlights of this match, I think, were uh, Anthony Nwakaye is a red card, and I do believe that Jakub was probably going to want to speak a little bit on that. Yeah, I think um, I, I think a lot of us agree that it's a really, really stupid red card. Um the referee, from all the sources that I have read, has acknowledged that is what that it was a mistake from his part. Wakayama um, has been brought down by a Dennis Dispor player that I just don't know from the from the top of my head. And um, for some reason, you can even see the Dennis Dispor players the moment that the that the ref blows the whistle. The Dennis Dispor players go like, "Okay, I guess it's a penalty then." But he goes, he goes up to uh, up to Wakayem and gives him a second yellow, uh, gives him a yellow, and uh, Wakayem goes all crazy and he gets a second yellow and uh, is sent off with a red. Um, he had this pretty much this moment um, produced the shit show that was uh, um, that 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 happened after the after the earthquake with uh, the match being postponed and. Um, Ali Koch getting on stage, telling his things, the Animalti Sport trainer telling his things. It's just it's just a shit show all around. Yeah, we'll get to that uh, in a little bit, of course. Uh, I do believe you had asked uh, in the group as well, like, is it possible that this uh, red card gets reverted because of the referee yeah. admitting that he was wrong? But I think it's probably not possible according to the rules because he didn't get a direct red card for, you know... Uh, but he actually got the red card for his outburst afterwards. Uh, so I don't really think that there's anything that uh, the TFF could do there, honestly. Um, well, I mean, if they really wanted to, they can do whatever they want. Of course, we've seen that in the past. Um, well, let's be honest. But, I mean, uh, that's one thing that actually I don't really 100% understand, because if that was a second yellow, that means he misses one match. Had Trabzonspor actually, because, you know, spoiler alert, Trabzon's match against Malatyaspor got postponed this week. So had Trabzonspor actually played against Malatyaspor, Nwakayema would have served his one-match suspension, and then he would have been able to play against Fenerbahce. Now he is not able to play against Fenerbahce. So I don't really see 
the, the problem here from a Fenerbahce perspective, since Trabzonspor is guaranteed to miss one of their key players in uh, the big match next week? I mean, their issue is more with uh, Trabzonspor playing a, a long game. You know, the game went to extra time and uh, was decided by the penalties. And that we now have a week extra to, uh, to rest, so to say, um, while uh, Fenerbahce um, doesn't. That's pretty much the main problem. But even even before the earthquake happened, uh, the Trabzonspor um, board members already decided to uh, to appeal against the red card because uh, a Malatya game away isn't isn't the easiest game, and we we do need every player. Mm-hmm. So you know. So has there been any result of that appeal? Not that I know of. I I have heard that uh, that they went uh, to appeal and they talked uh, they had like two situations one of Barish Memish when he played with us like 40 years ago um, <laughs> he had uh, the same situation happened with him and the ref um, acknowledged his mistake and uh, the red card was rescinded mm-hmm. and uh, apparently a game uh, where uh, Rushto got a red I don't know off the top of my head what, what game that's supposed to be but they, they did have like proof so to say but was um, uh were, were those yellow second yellows or were those direct reds because that, that does play uh, i have part. i have no idea to be honest i i do know that those two players are uh are shown as as proof as that the uh decision can be overruled but i don't know all the details yeah it because it, it differs it whether it's the second yellow or it's a direct red card the the things they can do Technically differ. Anyway, let's move on to the last match in the round of 16 in the Turkish Cup. Galatasaray here beating Rizespor 2-1 and 3-2 on aggregate. Uh, I think the biggest point of uh, contention here came at the very end when where uh, Rizespor had a goal disallowed. I believe that would have been the 2-2 in the, what was it, the seventh minute of stoppage time or something? Um, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Uzer or, or Umut. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, 95th at least, yeah. yeah. Uh, goal got disallowed yeah. for a uh, I mean, it was, it was a bit of a fiasco, I think. Yeah. yeah. A bit of a fiasco because the goal, goal was disallowed supposedly for a foul on the goalkeeper from the um, opposition player. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it, even in real time, it looks like it's, uh, it's Marcao who's fouling his own yeah. goalkeeper. So the fact that the goal was disallowed is a is a bit of a shambles, really. Yeah, and that would have seen Riza Sportur, of course, on away goals. Yeah. Um, but I also read somewhere that there might have been a handball, though. Well, did you guys manage to, to see it, that there was a handball or not? I guess uh... I couldn't really, you know. I couldn't. I mean, I wasn't really paying too much attention to, to the handball because I assumed that the goal was disallowed for the foul. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any case, I, I don't recall there being any sort of VAR intervention or anything like that. So. I think um, they can feel pretty hard done by, and Galatasaray in turn can feel pretty lucky to have gone through. Okay, uh, quickly then going to mention the quarterfinal draws. These matches will be played on the 4th, 5th or 6th of February. Matches in the quarterfinals are as follows. Bükşehir Belediye Erzurum Sport taking on Trabzonspor. Kirklareli Sport taking on Fenerbahce. And the winners of those two ties will go through to the semifinals and face each other. So a semifinal of Trabzonspor Fenerbahce could be on the cards. Then in the other bracket, Antalya Sport taking on league leaders 
Sivaspor and Alanyaspor taking on Galatasaray. So potential uh, semi-final of the league leader Sivaspor against Galatasaray. But of course, don't count the other teams out. And then the returns will be played on the 11th, 12th or 13th of February. And the semi-finals will be played on the 3rd, 4th or 5th of March. And the returns of those games will be played on the 21st, 22nd or 23rd of March. Now let's move over to the Turkish Super League and let's start off with Friday results. We have plenty of controversy, like I said, Gençlerbirliği against Gaziantep Football Club. But this was a very strange one indeed. The match finishes 1-0 and Uzer is going to give us a little bit more of uh, the story of the match. Yeah, yeah I mean, you started off today's show talking about the excitement, the controversy and the craziness of the Turkish Super League. And I think this game on Friday pretty much covered it all. Um, it was 1-0 to Gençlerbirliği in the end. And the only legitimate goal came in the 64th minute from, uh, from Sessegnon, from a penalty. Um, but I guess we can start from that position because the penalty itself was awarded after uh, the, the Gaziantep defender, Kanabiek, kind of came up behind against the Berlin midfielder, uh, Daniel Kandias, Can is it? And yeah, um, the Portuguese yeah. player, Candeas, yeah, that's it. Candeas came, kind of came up behind them and sort of playfully slapped him around the back of the head. The referee turned around, and I couldn't even tell if this was on the ball or off the ball, or if the ball was even in play at night because the camera angle zoomed in so much. But the referee just turned around, booked Kanabiak, and awarded a penalty, which I thought was pretty pretty unusual. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. And then uh, Sessegnon stepped up and, and scored it. Um, but earlier on in that game, there was uh, there was another penalty decision, and there was another couple of. Uh, Chances when Guy Royal hit the hit the post, uh, and then there was a disallowed goal at the end from uh, Mohamed Demir. So I think, uh, all things considered, Gaziantep will be pretty annoyed by the fact that they were allowed to lose this game. Um, some bizarre decisions, and I think they did come out after the match saying that they were going to challenge the uh, challenge the the game itself on the grounds that there was a Kural Hatasa. Mm-hmm. So there was a, a miss misapplication of the rules but when I looked into their their actual announcement they just said that they would they will in they intend to make a a, a complaint to the TFF in relation to the penalty position yeah. but they didn't go into much more detail about that they didn't actually say what the was that they're contesting or yeah. which even which penalty decision they're contesting so I think it was a bit of a vague mm-hmm. kind of flexing of the muscles from Gaziantep's um from the club but yeah, it was a, it was a it was a crazy old game. Yeah, I don't really think it is a, a rules violation. The penalty it was a, definitely weird. Um, I think I've seen before, you know, uh, when a, a pl- off the ball a player hits another player in the penalty area or something, or or you know brings whatever you know when the ball is completely yeah. on the other side of the pitch. We've seen penalties given for stuff like that before, uh, but this, like you said, it was very weird. Um, but I don't think it's a rules violation. I, I, I wouldn't see how, unless maybe the ball was out of play. Um, I, I don't know yeah. exactly if the Ag- ball agreed. Leads. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, because it's impossible to tell from uh, from the highlights, really, if, if the ball's in play or not. Um, so, so it'll be interesting to see if that goes anywhere. I, I doubt that it will, though. I doubt that it will. Gaziantep had a pretty pretty defensive start to the game. Anyway, they continue with their five man back line. Mm-hmm. Um, Genshter, of course, but without Stanku, he's been out for a couple of weeks through through an injury. Yeah, I'm um, not sure when he's scheduled to return, but 
they seem to be doing, you know, they're playing decent football. They've got kind of a solid core of players against their really. So they're looking like they're they're kind of putting up a, a good um, campaign to, to stay in the league. I think they've just a few points off relegation, but their squad and their gameplay seems to be on track. So I don't think they have too much to worry about right now. Yeah, indeed. Well, that's the first bit of controversy and plenty more to come, but let's move on to Kayseri Spor Ankaregücü. This match uh, will be covered by Umut. Well, uh, this game was a war game of the weekend, VAR game of the weekend, because Kayseri Spor found the goal at the beginning of the game, but got denied by the war call afterwards. Uh, by the replay, it was really tight, though, because uh, I couldn't even be sure how uh, the goal scorer, uh, it was Pedro Lopez, right? Uh, the Kaiser Sport winger. Uh, yeah, the first one, the, the first yeah. disallowed goal was Lopez. Uh, no, it was uh, Henrique, Pedro Henrique. Yeah, Pedro Henrique, yeah, yeah. He was just a fraction of, uh, like, centimeters uh, behind or ahead of the last defender, and uh, I would say uh, it was like that uh, what uh, Pep Guardiola was like uh, taking action from uh, how he got denied uh, multiple times uh, yeah. in Manchester City. Like it was too tight, and uh, I don't know, uh, should it be like uh, counted? But uh, VIR yeah. got uh, in front and denied the goal. And afterwards, uh, Ankara Gidget scored by Ilhan Parlak, and it was also denied by VAR afterwards. Uh, really, uh, this was, though, uh, really uh, openly wide by uh, Ankara Gidget's scorer. And there was a handball by uh, Ankara Gidget defender Pazdan inside the box, and this was, wasn't initially called, and uh, then given by VAR at the end. Uh, and... Uh, uh, Mensa scored for the penalty, uh, and in the second half, uh, Ankara Gücü midfielder, I think, uh, Alihan, scored from a set piece uh, by Ant uh, Ankara Gücü, and uh, afterwards, uh, just afterwards, Junaid Checker points for the spot uh, after a ball came to uh, Devor Orgil's chest. Mm -hmm. uh, thinking it was a handball inside the box. But then it was turned down uh, uh, by Gene Chikur by looking at the VIR replay. You did gloss over a very important moment in the match there as well, I think. Uh, in the 48 minute, Jebrail uh, Karayel got sent off with a second oh, yeah. yellow. What was that? <laughs> the, oh, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Umut. Uh, I think it was the uh, first... Uh, Got, got from a uh, argument, like uh, from a cheap uh, foul and uh, argument over a uh, decision from the ref. Like, and the, the second one. No, the first one was just for a fall, and the second one was for uh, a push, supposedly, where Pedro Enrique goes down very theatrically, but like five seconds after there is any form of contact. Uh, and I think this just, this really just uh, calls for the need of the ability of VAR to intervene on second yellow cards because so often we see wrong second yellow cards that are very unfair. I think this is a, a prime example, a textbook example of where 
uh, a situation where VAR should intervene on a second yellow card. It, it's funny, uh, well, funny, it's kind of mm, sad, really, how poor Junaid Chakir performed in this match, how many wrong decisions he and his um, crew uh, came up, uh, came up with, and really, I mean, at at one nil in the 48 minutes, Anker could you get back in the match in the 68? But they're playing with 10 men for almost a full half because of, yeah, a poor decision. Uh, they're in the dog, the relegation dogfight, of course. So are Kaiseri Spore. Decisions like this can make the difference between going down at the end of the season or staying up. So I, I think Ankaraju really uh, got hard done here by that. Uh, fortunately for them, VAR overturned uh, the second penalty Junai Chakir decided to award for Kayseri Spore. Uh, a bit of news coming out of this as well. Uh, Ankaraju have now uh, apparently lifted the transfer ban. That means we'll be seeing quite a few new signings coming in, in the next few days. They have also appointed Mustafa Reshid Akchai as their new coach. Of course, he was very successful with Osmanlı Spore previously and, and had a very fun run in the Europa League with them. Um, so I'm excited to uh, seeing what uh, MRA is able to do with uh, this Ankaraguju. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he was unemployed for like two years. Yeah, I think he took a sabbatical or something because he's a good coach, in he, my opinion. He was growing, he was he growing just, his hair and growing his beard. Clear mind, maybe. <laughs> Sorry, Umut, what did you say? Maybe he just wanted to rest and clear his mind. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he said something like that when he. Uh, when he left his last job that he wanted to take a time away or something. But like you said, it's maybe two years ago. So my memory could be a little hazy And on that. he also has one of the uh, best interviews after my press conference. The shortest one. Like, we played bad and that's it. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Legend. Anyway, yeah. let's, move, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's move on to the next one. Kasim Pasha Alanya Sport. A little bit of controversy here too, in my opinion. Uh, Pat is going to give us the lowdown on this match. Yeah, I think there was a fair bit of controversy, less uh, VR, but more ref decisions here. Um, to start off the game, uh, both sides sort of having a couple of chances. Koita with a, a good, powerful shot, but uh, straight at the keeper. Um, first goal came from the visitors at Spore, uh, from a corner. Uh, Brecker, I believe the pronunciation was way out of position when he sort of ran out to chase the header, only for the... Uh, he said the striker just to uh, easily tap in, having been sort of left unmarked, basically. Uh, the first, for me, controversial position was uh, Biennio stepping on the back leg of Hadadi. He did get a yellow card for this, but it could have been worse because it looked quite deliberate. And, um, yeah. you know, it's a studs up kind of back of the leg thing. It could have, you know, Re- if, if there'd remind- been an injury, it could have been a bit worse. Yeah, it reminded me of... Um- uh, was it Denizli Spore? I think it was Denizli Spore's uh, left back step or right back stepping on John Erkin's Achilles in uh, the, the Bishtesh Denizli Spore game. And for me, this was just a red card. I don't see how you can give a yellow for this. The ball is, is, yeah. is way ahead of him. He has no, he's, no, he's not playing for the ball. The only w- way I could see this being yellow if it's like accidental. But like you said, it looked pretty deliberate. This is a dark yeah. red card in my opinion. Sure thing, yeah. And I think, um, you know, again, the ref may not have had a good angle. I didn't quite see where he was looking. And it may have just looked like a you know deliberate trip, which probably would have been a yellow card based on the position. But 
you know, when you look at it to see how the studs were raised, I mean, it could have gone either way, really. But uh, ultimately, for Alanya Spore, it remained yellow and um, probably helped them down the line. So moving on from that, um, Aitach had a good chance from a long ranger with the, the goalkeeper coming out quite far. Um, he was closed down very well by the Alanya Sport uh, team. can't quite remember who that was, um, but that could have been one uh, one all there. They did equalise, however, Kassim Pasha um, just after the hour mark um, with a penalty. Uh, the Alanya Sport defender, I believe it could have been Wellington, uh, didn't really see the guy... Um, coming in and it was quite an easy decision for the penalty with um, former Besiktas legend Kuresma polishing off the penalty to make it 1-1 uh, my personal man of the match um, Junior Fernandez started his sort of um, campaign to get Alanya Spore ahead um, picking one out of the left wing came a little bit too low for Carriger who looks like he tried to head the ball but uh, he would have had a good shot if he'd um, just waited a little bit and tried it on the volley. Alenia Spore did retain their leave in the 73rd minute. Uh, another great delivery from Junior Fernandez. Uh, but kudos to Stephen Corker with an absolute textbook flick on header to the back post where Sali Uchan was waiting and powered home through the legs of both Hadadi and Fatih Öztürk, the goalkeeper. Uh, really good, like... Um, thoughts of Corker to, to give that flick on a go because he completely um, baffled the Kasimbasha defence and, um, you know, Salu Chan was in the right place at the right time, as they say. Mm-hmm. His first the, goal the thing, of the season. Yeah. Um, you know, may, maybe looking to try and get his career on track after a couple of um, ups and downs, mainly towns, to be honest, mm-hmm. for the guy. But um, we'll see how that goes as the season moves on. Uh, the, the thing that did make me laugh, though, was you can kind of see Corker, after his little flick-on, do what I call an Ismail Koibasha, when he's kind, of, he's kind of jumping up around, seeing if something's going to happen. And, um, yeah, very happy to celebrate with Sali when he bags in the goal. I think Ismail did that against Sivaspor or something like that, when the ball seems to be ricocheting in the Fenerbahce. Well, in the uh, Sivaspor box for someone to then put it away. I think it was Soldado or someone. But um, yeah, that that was the, the final goal of the game, as it turned out. Uh, Junior Fernandez did another great cross to Cisse, um, who wasn't able to bury the chance. Later on, Quaresma did a good little cross to Aitach, um, but he was very well covered by Wellington. Uh, and the final sort of minute controversy was, um, I'm going to butcher this to any Bosnian-speaking fans. Yeah, Hiradidovic, um, which really, like, terrible challenge. I mean, the studs earlier was one thing, but this, he could have easily broken uh, Siopsis's leg um, with a very deliberate stamp when he was on the ground. Uh, I don't know if any sort of um, TFFF decision has come out, but it wouldn't surprise me if he got a slightly longer ban because it was really dirty. Just deliberately went out of the way to kind of step on uh, the back of his leg and you know it could have been it could have been terrible yeah the guy was already laying on the ground i think as well yeah so goodness knows what was going through his head but uh if he gets a if he gets a longer ban it wouldn't surprise me it's uh probably deserves it to be honest because yeah, that was, yeah, that was really bad he was uh, this was very lucky yeah main takeaway from uh from this though for me is kind of 
what if um, what if the referee gives a red to Bayano there at halftime? Uh, it's 1-0 yeah. in favor of Alanya. Kasim Pasha are starting to get a little bit in the danger zone. Uh, they yeah, need to start exactly. picking up some points. So this could be... Uh, yeah, this is a painful loss for them perhaps uh, at home again. So... Uh, yeah, they, like I said, sure. they, they need to pick up some steam. Let's move on to the next match. Fenerbahce taking on Basakshi here. This was the highlight of the weekend, I would say. Uh, two informed teams. Basakshi especially had not lost since match day... Uh, I don't know, match day six, I want to say. Uh, they have been in great match day, form. Match day two. Oh, sorry. Match, match day, day two. two. They hadn't lost since yeah. August. Right, yeah, they yeah. have lost their oh. opening two matches. And on match day two, they lost at home against Fenerbahce. <laughs> <laughs> so they hadn't lost in uh, yeah quite a while there. So uh, how did that go, Pat? It was it was a good game, I must say. I think obviously both sides um, looking to maintain the positions right at the top. Obviously, quite a, a crowded top five, if not six or seven, going on at the moment. So neither side wanted to lose points. It started off with a, a good sort of Fenerbahce attack. Um, Max Kruser missing a good chance from across, but he just couldn't seem to direct the ball from. Uh, Marucci's uh, a st- uh, long cross there. Uh, Serda did later did a good close down of Visha after sort of very route one football from Met. Sort of pretty bad positioning from the Fenerbahce defenders, I must say. But um, so you had Serda between the sticks to keep the score at nil nil. Uh, Rodriguez later then had a strong shot, but um, again at Met, which was a bit of a Story of the match, really. A um, couple of sort of good, strong shots from Rodriguez, but he didn't seem to quite get the uh, hit the target and, um, and beat Met at the end of the day. Uh, Basakje then had a quite a good chance following a minute, a moment of madness from Dira, who tried to, I think, seemed like chest it back to to Altai, um, only to the for Vishka to then immediately come around the back and take the ball on. Fortunately, Altai. I guess it'd come out to try and retrieve the pass, but was then in a good position to to make the save. Uh, in terms of going back to the controversy, for me, it was a penalty. It looked like he was fouled in the box, but the ref said nothing, and the didn't obviously come into play. On the other guy's foot, looked to me like a fall from v- from from Vedas, Actually, I mean, from the angle I seem to see, obviously. Slight bias, but you know, I try to be um, relatively objective. For me, it's it's only just Marich ahead, but I guess you know nothing seems to happen at the end of the day, and uh, this is one of those things. Call it anti-fenner bias if you wish, but uh, I'm very much on the fence here. Um, interestingly enough, um, a similar decision went get well. As you know, it went for Basakshi only for it to be reversed later on in the game. Uh, but interesting, obviously, VR wasn't sort of brought in to maybe check things here, but uh, there you go. Yeah, I looked at it a couple of times, and to me it looked like they were both going for the ball, and then Vedat ultimately, I think, steps on the guy's foot. But I, I, I could have seen it wrong, though. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not adamant. So uh, does anyone remember this position that wants to chime in? Everyone drawing a blank. Go ahead, uh, Pat, get to the to get to the actual penalty that was later. Re- so yeah, just after that shot, uh, Fenerbahce almost had a penalty. Uh, um, and yeah, showing my objectivity here, but I think it was a, a correct decision, as I think the the 
Pashak Shif player did get the ball first. Um, so things kind of evening out, I guess, maybe at the end of the day. Yeah, supposedly close... Tolga even went up to Ferrat Aydenus and said it wasn't a penalty before he even went to VAR. Yeah, so, you know, good sportsmanship there as well. Um, uh, the penalty controversy didn't sort of finish quite there. Um, as Elia went to ground just inside the Fenerbahce uh, penalty box, uh, for me it was a it was a dive, and I think the referee agreed with this. Um, and I think if it had even gone to VR, they would have seen the same thing because uh, it just looks like he saw the opportunity to go between two players and maybe grab a cheeky penalty. But um, yeah, he didn't really have anywhere to go there. Yeah, close, but no cigar, as they say. Um, another good shot from uh, Gary Rodriguez, but again, straight at net, the keeper uh, for Bashak Shahir. Finally, um, we get the goal coming in the 72nd minute from Max Kruser. Uh, for me, it's a great little run from him um, going through the Bashak Shahir defence. Carlos Ponch was following Murich, so was heading off to, I guess, to the right-hand side, but um, Kruse spotted the gap on the left and was then able to put the ball finally past Met, the keeper, for 1-0. Um, Met did keep Pashakshir in the game for a little bit from uh, following a good shot from long range by Ozan Tufan. Um, and there's another nice little cross from Gustavo, but Marigi couldn't quite direct it well. Similar to the... Um, Alanya's ball game, it just seemed like he didn't quite get the uh, the height of the ball correct. Mm-hmm. Bashakje almost uh, equalised in very spectacular fashion from a great little Irfan Jan um, overhead kind of shot, but uh, went straight to Gulbrand Sen. Unfortunately for him, he didn't quite get his first touch far enough from Dirash to be able to have a clear shot. And um, ultimately, um, the ball got cleared, remained 1-0 to Fenerbahce. Uh, Fenerbahce then grabbed the three points with a great little goal from Murich in the 86th minute. Uh, Rodriguez sort of dummied the ball as if he was going to go and shoot on his left foot. Um, Eperenu covering his kind of left side to try and prevent another long-range effort. But uh, Rodriguez, using his amazing speed, powered off to the right and then was able to make an easy, quite an easy pass to Marich, who was waiting there for a simple tap-in to make it 2-0. Textbook counter. Uh, sorry? Textbook counter. Textbook counter, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, good little preparation for a little bigger game maybe um, next week. Uh, another, it could have been 3-0 uh, with Marich making a very good um, final third tackle. Um, but Mert was there to kind of close him down and keep the score at 2-0. Um, for me, yes, it's obviously a good sign for Moritz's, um mentality, you know, even at 2-0 so late on the game, still looking to try and score and make chances, um, you know, and the nice little 2-0 victory. Hopefully a good preparation for the big match in Travs on uh, next week. Yeah, and no real big controversy in this match. I would say I think the biggest controversy probably came before the match. Uh, we spoke about it last week, of course, um, Vedat's uh, yes or no deliberate uh, second yellow card um, that, of course, was served then in the cup match. Uh, 
yes, it did actually get reviewed, but the TFF decided that they could not prove that it was deliberate, so he didn't. He he got off with uh, basically, uh, yeah, just got off. But I think it's important at least that they looked at it. Um, I don't think uh, much more to add there. Probably some people will uh, still be upset about it. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Sunday then, where Denizli Spore, Antalya Spore was the early match on the day. Antalya Spore, of course, going a bit mad on the transfer market this January. They've brought in some big names, including Adis Jahovic from Malatya Spore and former Galatasaray winger and Germany international Lukas Podolski. He was not playing here yet, but Adis Jaovic was. And Jakub, how did that end up for Antalya Sport? Did Adis Jaovic have an instant impact for Antalya? Yeah, Jaovic is uh, one of the one of the proven players in the league. Um, the 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 moment he got on the pitch, you guys you just knew that you had a you had a good guy. You know. Um, I liked him when he played with uh, with Gustave. I liked him. Uh, I liked him for a long time. Um, for this game, though, it's uh, so good. How it's it, it's so unbelievable how he's such a good player at at the age that he is. He's he's thirty two. Not maybe not that old, but still. And you can just see him uh, in the first goal. He had such a great run to get behind uh, behind the defenders. Um, the Antalya, uh, the Denizli Sport defenders were caught up in like a like a offside trap that they just executed way too late, and um, he was just he was just so calm and collected. He got the ball, he, he dribbled it, and he, he he finished it really really wonderful. Um, so he immediately immediately got on the got on the got on the scoring sheet. Um, as for the rest of the game, there was a position which which really stood out to me. Um, in which um, Denizli got a foul. So one of the Denizli sport players, I think it was there. I think it was, it probably was Zeki Auru. Uh, it, was, it was a right back. He, 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 he took the ball and he passed it to the keeper. And uh, Stachowiak does just, I think he, he just had a brain fart or something. And he, he, he stopped the ball with his hands. And the ref uh, immediately uh, uh, blew on his whistle. Um for a indirect free kick, but um, as uh, one of the one of the great greater moments of this week, uh, the Antalya play Antalya sport players noticed that this was a mistake by the keeper, so it wasn't intentional. And instead of just um, you know trying to get trying to get a goal out of it, they just kicked the ball out, which uh, led to a lot of applause from the Denis sport fans. Um, so that was a weird moment. Um, the second goal, uh, this this match ended three uh, 0 for Antalya Sport. By the way, the second goal was by Mukairu uh, in the 40th minute. Um, the the goal was really nicely set up. Uh, Freddy, Freddy, I, I think he's called. Um, Freddy, uh, the number 16 of uh, Antalya Sport, just played a wonderful through ball to him, and uh, Mukairu just finished it really well. Um, unfortunately for Antalya Sport, as good as Yahoo it was. Um, he got injured in the he got injured in the uh, in the end of the first half, and um, he got uh, he got taken out of the game. From what I've heard, he he's supposed to be gone for three or four weeks. Um, no, four four to six. He, actually, he underwent surgery today, and he'll be out for four to six weeks. 
okay, so, yeah, that's that's even that's even worse, you know. Mm-hmm. As I said, um, he, he's such a great forward, and um, for a team like Antalya Sport that isn't, you know, the best at the moment, they're 15th. They really need a good striker to you know keep them up in the uh, um, in in in, uh, in the league. That's also why they had you know why they bought Sinan Gumush. Um, they bought Podolski, so they are really trying to keep their head afloat, you know. So mm-hmm. it's it's, ter- it's terrible news from for them. I don't know how they are going to use Podolski. I don't know if uh, putting him as a striker is a good decision. Um, I don't know. I I don't know how he did in Japan. So that's why I'm saying it. But they they do really need a they, they desperately need a good striker because they put Leshuk in for uh, for Jaovic. Wasn't really that good, to be honest. He tried his best, but um, didn't really do a lot of damage. What I what I did what what I really thought about this game was it's 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 unbelievable that Denizli didn't get on the score sheet. Um, they had a lot of chances. Um, yeah, they're 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 they had a lot of attacks, but it kind of looked like they were lacking venom. I mean, it what what it looked like for me was that a lot of players just started to panic a little bit, you know? They went uh, to the Antalyaspor goal a lot, but instead of, you know, being calm and collected, a lot of them just, just booted the ball, and it didn't really lead to really dangerous positions, you know? They they, they had a lot of uh, shots, but still. Um, you had Barrow, Barrow tried a little bit, Rodiega wasn't that that into the game. The midfield um, of, uh, of Denis' sport isn't, isn't the greatest, to be honest. Onazi had a pretty okay game i guess but you know otherwise it's it, it could have been better you know on paper the the denise the sport midfield isn't really wonderful but they aren't bad either so it's it's horrible uh it's horrible as a denise the sport fan to see that they don't perform as good as they should um so the game uh, the game at the three no the third goal was uh was, was scored by leshuk um but uh, the prov- the, the bigger story around this game is probably the um, the injury to Jaruic and um, how Antalya Sport is going to cope with it. Um, but a good good um, good win by them, a really deserved win. Yeah, I had the impression that the performance from the Nizli Sport was a little flat, despite uh, some intention going forward. But I don't know, um, didn't look like they were ever really in it to win it. Uh, to you know, use a stupid phrase. I mean, I can, I can, I can kind of see that. The Denizli Sport, you know, the the game really looked. They played like uh, local time for me, like uh, half past tw- half past twelve. So it was it was a really you know it's it's it, it's a shitty time to play. The pitch looked horrible. The pitch looked brown. Um, but you know, the winter months it's cold in Turkey, so you know, I guess you can't really blame that. But it didn't really seem like, you know, if I if, if I was a, a fan that lived in Denizli and wanted to go to the game, I would probably just not go to the game because it, it, it felt like a somber thing, you know, for Plastic. some reason. Plastic. Plastic. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, move on to the next match as Gustepe opened their brand new stadium and a fantastic atmosphere 
uh, in the stadium and they opened with style as they played Besiktas and won this match 2-1. to one. Halil Agbunak writing history as he is the first man to score in Gustepe's new stadium in the 25th minute. He put Gustepe 1-0 up but then Burak Yilmaz equalized from the penalty spot in the 38th minute. I have to point out that before Halil Agbunak actually opened the scoreline, um, Serdar Gürler got denied twice by Karius. I think Gustepe had two or three really good opportunities to open the scoreline before they actually did and then right after they opened the scoreline Jerome uh, almost made it two but I think again uh, plans toward it there by Bicarious I don't recall the position 100% but that was so almost straight from the kickoff then after they, they opened uh, the scoreline they settled down a bit Besiktas got more into the match and like I said in the 38 minute they got a penalty Burak Yilmaz converted uh, Beto went the right way but the penalty was just kicked too well uh, was up in the upper left corner uh, and uh, beyond the reach of Beto but then in the third minute of stoppage time of the first half there was a free kick one in the third half of stoppage time a free kick was one for Gustepe uh, the uh, Serdar Gurler stepped up behind the ball and Kelso Borges converted that, uh, that, that well uh, <laughs> Pulled it, put it home from that free kick. Uh, a little bit of controversy here as uh, there was a rules violation going into this goal. Uh, Tyler Boyd was down, injured, and uh, the referee paused the game. And the new rule stipulates that you have to give the ball to the last man in position. And this is literally, this is actually how it was. This is a case of seconds, apparently. So he whistled, he blew his whistle as... The Besiktas defender kicked the ball away, so technically that was still in Besiktas' possession. Uh, and then he blew it just a little bit before uh, the Gustepe defender got the ball. So then afterwards he gave the ball to Gustepe. They took a quick, uh, long ball, won the free kick, and then scored a goal. Anyway, rules violation. Uh, so Besiktas have appealed this. This may result in a replay of this match. Uh, going further now into the match in the second half, I had the impression Gustepe were happy with the lead and were kind to save and salvage it. They, they didn't look as dangerous going forward. Besiktas had some moments uh, where they could have scored, especially at the very end. Beto with a very good save on an effort of Burak Yilmaz, but he, uh, of course, made a brilliant save. So the full-time scoreline reads 2-1 to Gustepe. Obviously, Abdullah Avci had already been given his notice um, after the cup elimination. So on the bench here was Shenol uh, Fiden uh, and also, I believe, Gokhan uh, Keshkin. Um, but obviously, Sergen Yalcin will be bringing his in his own staff. But we'll have to wait and see. It might actually uh, be that Gustepe get to open their stadium twice um if the match no. has to be replayed <laughs> no no way well they can Dream make on. it they can make it a three nil uh then uh, a gala match um yeah it's a uh, I, I i find it a little bit unnecessary quite to, to be quite honest but i understand it is uh where they're coming from but i don't know basically they're going through such a bad season they should just be hoping for the season to be over rather than wanting to play extra game <laughs> games uh, is my uh, opinion really uh, on that matter but i can see where they're coming from it did uh, of course directly impact the scoreline uh 
unlike what Umut says that it was two minutes later. That's not the case, Umut. I hope you watched it back since then. Um, anyway, I don't know. Anyone got anything to add, Umut? The opening yeah, of the have stadium. My two pieces about Gustafay's new stadium. Of course. Yeah, uh, it was really great to see Gustav and the fans really finally meet their new stadium, Gursan Axel, currently located in uh, Guzalil, Izmir. Really, uh, it's really close to my uh, where I used to live growing up. And now seeing there's a stadium built right next to my old neighborhood makes me like really happy and uh, like childishly happy just thinking about it. Land Time to Gustav stop supporting Galster. I stop being a plastic <laughs> and support your local club. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> no. Uh, also, hey, it's, it's red and uh, yellow in both cases, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, Gustave Chairman Mehmet Seppel told the stadium capacity is currently around uh, twenty-five thousand. Mm -hmm. However, he also told that uh, as for Yolu's request, Yolu is the uh, Gustave's uh, number one fan uh, supporting uh, group. Mm -hmm. Just charge is to Beşiktaş. Uh, with, uh, so they asked for uh, the seats to be removed behind the goal stands mm -hmm. and uh, also Mehmet Sepil confirmed it and it will be removed but for cautious uh, reasons for the caution uh, in the first game he didn't remove it uh, because of the uh, probable issues uh, from uh, overcrowding or any chaos uh, in order to pr uh, prevent those from happening, yeah. there were already uh, people sitting on the goddamn roof for heaven's yeah, sake. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Did you see that? Oh my yeah, god, yeah, that was insane. <laughs> I mean, I don't really have fear of heights, but I think Ooh. if I would be sitting up there, I'd be, uh, you know, and, dropping uh, a deuce. I am sure that fans had the best view in the city, uh, <laughs> looking at the sea from the Izmir's. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. Uh, as though the Gestapo fans feel the same at its capacity limits and the stadium was all red and yellow, mm -hmm. which was a really great view for the first game. And for the start of the game, from the first touch, Gestapo fans started singing the Isyan March, which I really like. And I also joined and sang along with them in front of the screen. It was a really awesome moment for me. See, you uh, are a Gestapo fan. And, uh... <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, growing up right there in Izmir, uh, you don't have any other chance, any other option. You Apparently know, you uh, did. You selected the wrong <laughs> club. Uh, and the first goal in the stadium came from the Has Izmirli Halak Bunar, also Gustapeli. Mm -hmm. he really, he really had to be. They had to be the it man. It had to be him. Yeah, it had to be him. Yeah. yeah. I'm really happy for we, him. We talk about him every week now. He's so brilliant. He's so brilliant. He must get the Turkish national team call yeah. up. What more can this man do? How old is he now? 27? 28? Yeah, I think he was born in, in 93, around. Yeah, 93. Uh, he's same as Truch. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, like, uh, even though there are some uh, positions argued by you and by uh, the other fans of Beşiktaş, I said, well, this was the kind of game that had to be the Gustafes' first game in the opening their stadium. Both sides found a lot of chess. Yeah, I had the impression the referee also had that feeling. Cause <laughs> I, yeah. I, it's been a while since I've been so annoyed by a ref. Going so one-sided on almost everything. I was surprised we got a penalty. 
Because, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, that's yeah, that, I think there was another clear penalty for Bishtesh actually in the second half where Najib just gets body slammed in the, in, in the penalty area. They were looking for a handball on VAR. Uh, couldn't find the handball, but conveniently missed uh, the guy feeling up uh, Najib like he was a $30 prostitute on the side of the street. I don't know what was up with that. Um, I mean... Don't get me wrong. I, I think Gustepe showed a lot in the, especially in the first half. And I, 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 you know, I really, I'm happy for them that they won their this opening match. And can I just say how refreshing it is to see a club that actually built a stadium that is adequate to what they need? Like, okay, Gustepe could probably fill a forty thousand uh, seater stadium from time to time. 25k, 30k is perfect for them. They have yeah, a lot yeah, yeah. of loyal fans. Yeah. And they'll fill it almost every week, or at least close to. But I, I just hate seeing stuff like with Konya, who have like 16,000 fans in their stadium every week, and they have like a 40-plus K stadium, and it looks empty. Even though they have a good attendance, really, for a club that yeah. size. Yeah. So I, I'm just very happy that Gustepe didn't overdo it, just like Eskishir Sport, they didn't overdo it in the capacity. Uh, and, and, and it just, I think it gives a, a, a far better atmosphere. Uh, I mean, if you look back... Yeah, yeah. Okay, also, sorry, you can see that it's the uh, most supported clubs in the Anatolia, like uh, Eskişehirspor and Göztepe. Uh, that you would thought they would make it uh, overdo it for the capacity, but they did it the uh, best way. Mm. Uh, they would be like uh, seem fully crowded yep. every game, like and. It's yeah, how it used to be in Ali Sami and 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 in Ilunu back in the day, you know. Now you see so many empty seats when it's not a derby match. Yeah. I think it's I think I, for me the, the atmosphere is back in I think the atmosphere in Ali Samian was better than it is now at Turk Telecom Arena cuz when it's not fully filled it kind of sounds hollow, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. Uh yeah, great win for Gustav of course. We'll have to wait and see if they get another chance at uh, doing it <laughs> no, over. No, again. no. No, no I you know, I I'm I'm kind of on the on the fence as a, as a Bishtish fan, of course. I think uh, going hoping to go to Europe next season, we could really do with three points. But I don't want to take it away from Gustep. I I just think that you know it's a beautiful win for them. Uh, I do. I was very frustrated with the ref throughout the match. I mean, do you that one position right at the start where uh, what's his name uh, Chichi almost kicks. Uh, yeah, uh, Diaby's head off, and he just waves play on. I'm like, what? On? And I, I just knew right there. Oh, it's gonna be one of those games, huh? So uh, you're yeah. just prejudiced as always. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, the guy gets his head kicked off, and, uh, <laughs> and he waves play on. Come on, man. And uh, it just felt like every every time a good step player went down, immediately a free kick. When a business player goes down, play on. I did find you know. the, uh, your left back Rudwan's performance. I think he was okay. I think uh, Besiktas fans kind of. Uh, uh, they wanted to like him so much because he's a, as a an academy player. I think he was fine, but he, he struggled with Halil Bunar. But I mean, I don't think that's that's necessarily a. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's a detrimental. Uh, most people's mo- most backs will struggle to contain Halil Bunar. But I just feel like you know Halil had like this this cross relatively early in the match that uh, Cameron Jerome connected with, but didn't ha- uh, connect with properly. I mean, but if that goal goes in, and if that's, instead of Ridwan, that's Janner, then everyone is screaming, oh my god, it's again over in the left side, and it's Janner's fault. <laughs> yeah. And because it's Ridwan, and it's not a goal, I th- even think if it's a goal, people wouldn't say shit. 
but because it's a it's a young player, you know, they don't criticize him yet. But then, of course, if he becomes your first starting left back, then suddenly this the the shit storm would start. So I don't know. I think it's early to say. I think he played okay. Um, going forward, he had a, a good moment early in the match, but then he had like throughout the game, he had a couple of opportunities to cross the ball, uh, and his crosses were very poor. Uh, so I think. Maybe he could be a serviceable, you know, backup left back. Maybe he can be more. He's only 19, of course, so we'll have to wait and see. I don't know. What what was your impression, Umut? Well, uh, defensively, he was really good, and there was one position. Uh, he just uh, deflected a cross with his uh, right foot, uh, just reached it uh, at the last second and uh, uh, just kicked it to the corner kick, but... Uh, if he didn't kick it, that right there, it might, mm-hmm. might be a really uh, threatening position for uh, Gustape. Uh, mm-hmm. and it, they could score there, but that uh, one position particularly uh, impressed me for his like defensive work. But yeah, as you said, uh, offensively, he is just like... Uh, but uh, playing uh, like behind Janar could have been a, a, a bad, bad impact because, you know, Jenner is always on the left side, uh, uh, always on that area. Mm. Uh, so... Oh, I was actually yeah. very happy, by the way, to see Tyler Boyd start in this match. Uh, and I think he played very well. Uh, but then he got subbed off in the second half and Jenner got put in. And I just felt as soon as that sub happened, Besiktas stopped playing football. Because before that, they were trying to combine, they were trying to create chances, and they created a couple. Um, but then as soon as Janner came on, it just all became ball to Janner, cross, ball to Janner, cross. And, yeah, and I don't know yeah. what was wrong with Janner today. <laughs> Usually Janner's crosses are good, but I don't think he had a single decent one here. Uh, so I think that's also maybe been part of the problem, because it's kind of that, that syndrome Bishtas had left from Quaresma. That was the problem when Quaresma was still playing. It was always the same thing. Always ball to Quaresma, cross. Ball to Quaresma, cross. They didn't try to play football. Um, and uh, Janner has had statistically a good season. I think he has like seven assists or something already. But I think when whenever a player like Janner and like Quaresma is on the pitch, I think people are just too inclined to give them the ball and hope they get a, a decent cross in the box. And then you have one person in the box and... Yeah, that's not going to do anything. Um, but let's move on to, to the next match, unless you have anything else to add on, on Gustepe. Nope. Okay, let's move on to the next match. Konya Spore Galtzrai. This match ended... Uh, I'm, actually, I'm not going to spoil it. Uzer, how did this match end? <laughs> with with all smiles for all Galatasaray fans, that's how it ended. With joy, a refreshing victory... Uh, 3-0 victory in Konya, no controversy, no uh, absurd VAR decisions, no refereeing scandals, just pure football. No Belhanda either, which is even more of a highlight for me. <clears throat> I think, um, I think there were a couple of controversial probably, decisions for Konya. Nah, nah. <laughs> nah, well, we can talk about them if you know, they're Ah, and... uh, I don't know, I don't know. Ball to hand. A- anyway, anyway. Um... I thought that this is probably Jimbom's best away performance of the season, although that's not very uh, that's not a huge claim to make. But um, <laughs> Konyaspor were pretty disappointing, even by their own disappointing standards. But in any case, it was nice confidence boost for for Galatasaray to win handsomely away. Did look um, decent going forwards, but just uh, inadequate yeah, at the back, which is yeah, contradictory yeah, to mean, what they usually. Which uh, is unlike yeah. yeah what you'd expect from Konyaspor. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I mean, for me, it was just. 
to see that to see Emre and Farcao on the score sheet it was just so refreshing because it's now two, two weeks in a row. Um, we're talking about Emre, who's been out of action Three? for almost eight in months. The we, said, too, right? we, we said, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, in the cup as well, that's true. Um, and he's been out of action for so long, and he's come back fighting, he's come back strong, he's come back confident, he's mm-hmm. come back on top form, really, exactly exactly how, how we left him. And it's really a testament to his character and his, his professionalism. Yeah. That he's done I don't think I've do ever this. seen a player and, come back and, from an injury like that and just no, hit the ground running straight away. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And it, and it's it, we're really lucky to have a player like that, Galatasaray. And I really hope that he continues like this and, and sets himself a place in the Turkish uh, national team. And and the thing is, he's he's playing so much further forward now than, than anyone else who's played in that position for Galatasaray so far. And he's obviously this is translating into goals, but he's getting so involved in the gameplay in and around the edge of the box um, in ways that other midfielders haven't really been able to do. And this is obviously translated not just for his own goals, but for Falcao as well. Uh, Falcao, who is who's also scored four in three games now, who's also on, on fire, which is which is exactly what we like to see. Um, shout out to Ahmed Bayram as well. Haters gonna continue to hate, but this guy keeps proving them wrong. Who hates Another him? brilliant performance from. Do people well, hate him? There is still some. They do, they do. There are a lot of people out there who say that this guy is a is a below average player. He shouldn't be playing for Galatasaray. Just kind of look, looking, turning their nose up on on I mean, and I, and I, he's, I feel he's very obviously not a, not a superior quality by. player, but he puts in the puts in the performance. So you can have a well, he's yeah. I mean, well, he, he's he's no le- he shouldn't be seen as being any less quality than than any other midfielder on, in the team, given that he's a top assist. Uh, he's top of the assist table for Gala right now. You know, it's not like someone like Faguli has is doing any better just because he has a yep. bigger CV or he's played in bigger clubs. So he shouldn't be looked down upon for that. And I'm glad that Ahmed is, is fighting through that. Um, Adem Buk as well. Nice to see him on the score sheet as always. He's a player I really like. A very underrated player in the squad. And now that Falcao uh, picked up that slight hamstring injury, he's probably going to be out for two to three weeks. So having Adem... Uh, firing in all cylinders is, is essential for Gallo if we want to keep up this momentum. Um, it's it's still a question mark surrounding the um, the transfer uh, of policy of Jim Bomb, of course, and Zonzi is still a question mark. Um, we, it looks like we're not going to sign another striker. Uh, sorry, another central defender. No, he's still not gone officially. He's still in the squad, hmm. hanging around, drinking Turkish tea, probably enjoying life in Istanbul. <laughs> not really sure what he's doing there. Yeah, exactly. Um, and oh yeah, the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, Sarachi as well. So he uh, he played pretty well. His attacking prowess is 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 quite evident, and it's nice to see that we've got such an active left left sided um, uh, uh, wing back. But I still the question mark is out for for me for his for his defensive abilities. Mm-hmm. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks as well through hamstring, yeah. but um, he's definitely made a positive start, and I just hope that he can kind of work on his defensive positioning and 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 try and improve that part of his game as well. Yeah. Uh, Umut, anything to add here? Uh, I believe you mentioned that uh, it was Mariano's fault. It was all Mariano. No, so no, no. I was there. kidding right there because uh, <laughs> okay. Mariano, yeah, Mariano started the game very, after a really long time. And while all the Galatasaray fans were thinking him to be removed from the Yabancı player list, he just appeared all of a sudden. And uh, I was also surprised. But it did good uh, for the team because... After Saraki came, uh, all uh, attacking variations uh, relied on the left side. And right now, uh, with Mariano, it just uh, is more balanced, more than ever. Because uh, before Saraki, 
it was on all the right side and none of them uh, came from the left and mm. right now it's in a perfect balance uh, but with the bad news that Saraki went injured is uh, really uh, scaring me and also uh, we had a, we have another option uh, to put Linus right there uh, and make a benefit for out of it but uh, but it's uh, also bad news, uh, as always. Uh, and I want to say that uh, Mariana played really well in the game and uh, making those uh, two diagonal balls uh, to put Saraki up front for a position. Uh, he did it twice in the game and uh, one uh, came in as Saraki's cross and uh, Falcao got injured. And the second time he did that, Saraki just went with himself and uh, tried a long shot uh, from a uh, you know uh, just of the edge of the box. It was really close to a goal, but uh, it went off wide, and Saraki then uh, went out injured because of his uh, fast run. Uh, it reminded me of uh, that injury uh, Markovic had in that Besiktas game uh, three or yeah. four years ago. Yeah, that's uh, much pressure to the legs uh, with that uh, pace. Uh, comes as a disaster at the end. Uh, uh, and if your uh, player is not that fit, uh, it came as, as an injury at the end. Uh, after his injury, uh, Terim uh, just put Shenar uh, there, but I thought Terim would just shift Omar Bayram right there and put a midfielder up front, but he didn't do that. He just uh, uh, put uh, Shenar uh, to the left side, and I didn't think Shenar would play there, and he didn't play well as well. Uh, he made too many passing mistakes, and uh, as he's a really uh, right-footed player, uh, he's never on the, relied on the, his left foot. Uh, it just uh, blocked out attacks from the left and uh, I think it was uh, just a bad move by uh, Fatih Terim. Uh, he just rushed on his decision there a bit, I think. What did you think of uh, some of the penalty shots for Konya Sport? It was, a, I believe, a handball, uh, but that seemed... Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was also Shenar, uh, Shenar's yeah. fault, right? He wasn't uh, expecting the ball to... Uh, like bounce onto his chest he's just uh, at the end of the cross and the ball just uh, bounced right in front of him and uh, uh, it indeed hit his uh, right arm in the position but referee didn't give a penalty but I think it, it would have been given you know uh, hmm. if it was good I wouldn't say anything you know it was and I think it was also a shout, uh, a Morali going down in the box in the first half, I want to say. Uh, no, no I, I don't believe it was a penalty, though. It, it was just, no. a, a, you know, shoulder-to-shoulder. Shoulder. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Falcao and uh, Sarachi will miss a couple of matches, but Galtrai don't have the, the, the toughest schedule. They have a Kayseri up next at home, so that should relatively be an, oh, an yes. easy win. Uh, then Alanya away, I believe that's uh, in the cup. Then they also have that week Kasim Pasha away, another relatively easy game. Uh, then they have Alanya again in the cup, and then they have Yeni Malatyaspor uh, at home. So that's for the next um, two, three weeks. So I think, 
you know, those are all teams that they should be beating right now. Malatya Spor have come down from their good run of form in the first half of the season. They just lost Yahovic. I don't know if they actually brought in a replacement for Yahovic. Uh, so I think they might actually uh, struggle a little bit in the second half of the season. I was actually surprised that they did as well as they did in the first half of the season because when I watched them early on in the season in the Europa League, uh, despite playing well, I kind of felt like they lacked a lot of individual quality. And uh, I think losing a guy like Jaovic isn't going to help th- those matters. Uh, do you know, Umut, if they actually replaced him with someone? I don't know. So uh, I think just uh, push uh, Thierry Bifuma right there uh, to help out the you know yeah. striker. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that I should point out is uh, Gustepe's new striker uh, from Brumby, uh, Polish striker Wilczek. He scored a lot of goals in Denmark, so that should be interesting uh, to see how he fares in Turkey. I know he was previously linked with Bistec last year as well, uh, so. Uh, High-profile signing for for Gustepe. could be an interesting one. Uh, of course, uh, Skoda at uh, Rizespor has hit the ground uh, running. And uh, talking about Rizespor, let's talk a little bit about Rizespor. Jakub, they took on league leaders Sivaspor in Sivas. How did that one end? Did uh, Sivaspor finally drop some points and give some hope to uh, the f- their, the ones that are following in their tracks? So, first of all, it was minus seven degrees Celsius there. So I, I I saw some players playing without gloves, some players playing without, you know, with, with short sleeves. I, unbelievable. You know, uh, props to all those players for being able to, you know, keep keep themselves warm enough to, to play under those conditions. Um, as for the game, um, as expected um, with, 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 Suas, with, with Sivas, um, battling for the championship and Cekorisa being a mid-table team this year. Um, a lot of people thought that Sivas should be the one that just battles, battles, battles and just wins all possession and all the uh, all the shots and everything. And it did kind of look like that. The first half was uh, was a really good half for Sivasport. Um, there was a moment where I think it was Kone hit a ball from around like 30 meters or something and it just hit the post so hard. And, like, I, I was watching this game um, with my dad. And um, I just kept saying to him, like, I can't understand how how they are so good, you know. I, I know that um, they are good pretty much because uh, Mert Hakan and Emre and uh, Yatabare and Kone are playing really good. But the moment I saw that, I, I said to my dad, I was like, this guy is really old. And it's unbelievable that he's still doing this. He's 36 years old. Um, he remembered him from playing uh, from from when he played at uh, at PSV, and it's it's so unbelievable to see a guy like that. I I'm pretty yeah. sure that I keep repeating myself every time I talk about a Silas Sport game, but it just keeps surprising me every time. Um, he played pretty much a whole match this time. He played like 80 minutes, um, and under these conditions for a player like him, it's unbelievable. Um, there was a there was a position where. Um, Sivas, uh, Sivas fans and players were waiting for a penalty. Um, it was um, it was in the box. Um, the the ref didn't give a penalty because um, if you if you look at the if you look at the replay, it was uh, they was just battling for position in the box, and the Sivas poor player actually uh, brought down the poor player, and so it was a correct decision by the ref to not give a penalty. 
even though I haven't really um, looked at social media and, and, and didn't really follow what people were thinking about, I, I, I did see that nobody made a big point of this. So it was good that um, that, that, this, that that the ref made a good decision for once. Um, there was one really controversial this controversial decision, uh, in my opinion, which in in which I just don't understand how people um, didn't make a bigger issue about it. Um, Kone had a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember in which minutes, but um, it, it was, was a one nice. Nil. E- mm-hmm. It was a, it was at nil nil, so it would have. Uh... Yeah, it was it was nil nil, so it was before the 16th minute, and he got the ball. He was in really it was really great pass. And he finished it really good. And I know that you you said it in the group uh, group chat that um, you know they were one 0 up. And I and as I said, I was watching the game, but I just the ref um, went to went to VAR and they mm-hmm. dis- they disallowed the goal, yeah. which in my opinion looked kind of like bullshit. It 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 looked so close to each other. It was a what was it offside or a handball? I don't remember. I, it was offside, and it yeah. really looked like he was maybe like five millimeters offside. It mm. looked like the red and blue line that they normally um, mm. draw. It, it looked pretty much, you know. Yeah. It, it I, I really think they need to other. implement a margin of error there. Uh, I think we said it last week too, but they need to do. They, the, uh, the IFAP needs to figure something out where there needs to be a margin of error on on, on offsides. I think having a goal this large for two millimeters or even two centimeters is just that's going a bit too far i think wait what but you do it like in the uh, goal line technology what's the difference in the offside position the difference is that the goal line technology is the the line the goal line is a static static line mm-hmm. but with offside it's a moving line so you can't really prove because with with offside there are multiple things to look out at and with the goal line technology, it's it's the only thing you're looking at is if the if the whole of the ball just crossed the crossed the line. Yeah. But with the goal line technology, you have to look at the guy passing the ball. You have to look at when the ball is leaving his foot, yeah. um, the extremities and whatnot of the player that is trying to attack. You know, so um, I I remember a controversy in England where Sterling was offside for some position, but um, the, the the papers and everything made a big thing about it. How like even if you went a frame, a frame later he was on side, or the frame, a frame earlier yeah. he was, you know. So I'm, I'm, I, I am, and will be, uh, will still be a big fan of VAR. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it might have its bad, yeah, bad moments likewise. every now and then, but the, the good things outweigh the bad ones. But you know, Definitely. as a team, um, if I, if, if, if Trabzonspor was in the position that that uh, that uh, Sivas Spor was in. I would be so angry because it just didn't didn't look like offside to me. Especially in Turkey, where immediately you have the feeling of, well, they must have fixed that image, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, it was this uh, similar thing that happened in the Kaiser game that I told. You know, uh, Pedro Henrique uh, almost level with the defender, and this one is the same. You know, Kone is almost level. You know, how did they decide that? Yeah, I, that's why I'm saying I think there should be a, a margin of error implemented. I don't know exactly how much, like say, I don't know, f- five centimeters, three centimeters, I don't know. Uh, something that, for IFAP to figure they, out. But or if they don't implement that kind of thing, they have to implement a thing to uh, like uh, influence the audience that 
the decision they have made is true uh, by uh, selecting a image that can uh, tell that they are apart uh, about like this, uh, like a given uh, distance, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, I know what you mean. Like they do on, on Marathon after the match, you know, where they do show centimeters and stuff. But, yeah. of course, you can't do that when it's millimeters. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, we lost both Uzer and, uh, and and Pat already, by the way. So it's going to yeah. just be the three of us for the remainder. It's not much left, of course. Go ahead, uh, yeah. Jakub. Um, so, you know, the goal was, in, in my opinion, a, li- a really pivotal game, a pivotal moment of the game. Um, the first half ended 0-0. And uh, the second half, um, in my opinion, Riza Sport were the bad- better team. Um, at least, like, the... the for the for, for the second half, Riza was a better team, but for the last ten minutes, or uh, rather yet, um, the sixteenth minute, um, Riza Spor uh, went on uh, to score a goal. Garmash mm-hmm. scored from a bouldering pass. This was more a blunder by Samasa yeah. to let the goal in than it was from. Uh, than, I than highlighted it, was it last week. You know, when everyone was talking about Karius last week because he, of course, blundered on, on the 1-0. Mm-hmm. But Samasa had, like, two or three big mistakes in that match that didn't get... Well, one got punished, obviously, by the equalizer, but the other ones didn't. Uh, so people don't talk about that, but he's not... I mean, he's a good goalkeeper, but, um, you know, he's... Uh, I he's mean, a... it, was a, it, was, it was a weird angle, you know, but I, I never thought that it... It looked so weird, you know, to be honest. Mm. It really looked like... For some reason, the ball went in slow motion, and then I, I, when I first saw it, when I when I was looking at the game live, I actually thought that the ball went out. And the moment the ball went in, I think a lot of Sivaspor fans also thought the ball went out because there was like a, a, a split second of you know, wait, wait, are we supposed to be happy? Are we supposed to be sad? You know, they it was kind of a weird position for them. But um, after the goal went in. Um, Suaspor did what, what, in my opinion, makes a big difference for how well they're performing this year. Um, they seem to have that championship mentality. You know, they they just um, just went all in on Rizespor. You could you could see that um, Rizespor was overwhelmed every now and then because um, they um, they were overwhelmed by how Suaspor were attacking or. Mm-hmm. Just, just pursuing every ball, just fighting for every ball, and it led to some positions. You know, um, I, I think I said that uh, I said this a couple of times. Um, I think that uh, Gökhan Akkan, the keeper of uh, Chaykuriza, is, is a pretty good keeper. Um, he's 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 not that old. You know, he's only twenty four years old. Yeah, twenty five. Um, yeah, he's only 24, 24 years old, and he has some great moments. I I, I know that from some couple of games. That he played in Rize at home, that he pretty much saved the team, and he did that. He did that this game too. But it it seems that they need like a better, like maybe maybe um, a veteran goalkeeper to help him with some small things, because it's weird. It it seems like um, they really haven't taught him, you know, to catch the ball or push it away, because it's always like he. Just de- decides what to do, like the moment the ball is instinct. In front of him. Yeah, yeah. And, that's um, a, the main problem with Turkish goalkeepers in general. Like they they just go on instinct and they don't learn those little tricks of the you know like 
a thing that, for example, a Thibaut Courtois would do, you know? And that's something I always lack with Turkish keepers. They always seem to lack that. I mean, it it, it worked out for him for a couple of times. You know, uh, he got the ball. He, he deflects it really awful. You know, it, it, the ball really just... He, he, pushes, he pushes it away and it, it lands like two meters next to him. And Sivaspor had a couple of rebounds that just went over or just went... Just hit the post and this and that. But um, in the 90 plus fourth minute, I think, 40, uh, 94th or 93rd, um, the same happened. Um, he had a great save. Uh, Sivaspor uh, put in a cross. It was headed by, I think, uh, Yatavare. He saved that one. But same once again, either either push the ball over the goal or, you know, catch it because um, the rebound was so weak that the ball fell to Yasin's feet. And Yasin, Yasin put it in to score and uh, save save Sivas from uh, you know from uh, from a defeat and kept mm. kept two points. So um, they 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 finished this game one one. Um, obviously, as a Trabzonspor fan, it's music to my ears, you know, because it uh, it, it opens the chance to, to close the gap that uh, that they ha- that they made before uh, before the second half of the season started, but. In my opinion, I don't think that as a that the Sivasport fan should have been should have a lot of you know um, issues with this game. Yeah, it's a um, mental we, victory to get that point in the yeah, uh, yeah. in the last uh, couple of seconds. And uh, Umut, uh, your dad uh, had a great anecdote about that. Oh uh, yeah, uh, my dad always says that like uh, if a team uh, wants a goal like after the nineties. It still acts for it, like uh, still has the uh, you know eagerness to win. Mm-hmm. The uh, in the long run, in the long marathon, uh, they'll achieve more than the other other teams, you know, because they want so they deserve the win. Yeah, you always see it with a team that win- ends up winning the league. They always have a couple of those matches in which they either win it in the in the fifth or, or fourth or fifth minute of extra time. Or they get a point in in the fourth or fifth minute of extra time. I mean, uh, in in the, the thirteen fourteen season, Fenerbahce. I don't know how many games they won in the last minute. Uh, Bistich had plenty of those moments. Uh, one that comes back to me, I think Akisar, where Jenk equalizes in the end, and uh, yeah, a couple of more like that. Um, and and Galtzray, you know, I, I remember in, uh, a match with Kinsterbili with Umut. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, yeah. 2012 and uh, and the one that Hakan uh, Balta scored in two ta- uh, 2015, uh, where Hamza Abzol won the title. And of course, you mean teams will have those types of uh, wins anyway from time to time. But you can especially see a team that really aspire and and, are, and end up winning the title. They're always going to get away with a couple of those wins, unless of course you're Liverpool and uh, you win every match. <laughs> Uh, but even they have uh, a lot of late goals uh, in the 86th minute and stuff like that. That's not that yeah. late, of course. Um, anyway, let's talk a little bit then about the postponed match, of course. Malatya Sport Trabzonspor was postponed, obviously, because Malatya, the neighboring province of Elaza, they also got hit by the earthquake. Um, and yeah, the match was postponed, which to me, I guess, is, is kind of logical. Um, but. Some controversy arose here. Fenerbahce made a statement. Um, yeah, Jakub, vent. So um, I have been I have been venting, 
you know, um, a lot on Twitter, um, a little bit on Reddit. Um, on his I, burner I, account. Yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm, I try to keep, uh, try to keep the WhatsApp uh, group chat that we have. You know, I try to keep it clean, even though Burak keeps poking me. <laughs> You know, I, I I know I know it's I know it comes from a loving place. Maybe you should but... with your burner account. You should just follow him on Twitter and just poke him on there constantly, <laughs> with, and just spew all the gall you have. And but don't let him know it's you, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but you know this this re- like you know I get it. Um, I get it that you know as a fan or budget fan, you're not a fan of Trabzonspor. Um, and vice versa, as a Trabzonspor fan, you're obviously not a fan of Fenerbahce. I get it. Um, that's just how rivalry works. I get it. I'm okay with it. I don't need a cost. I don't need a Fenerbahce fan to agree with me, as as I think a Fenerbahce fan doesn't need a Trabzonspor fan to agree with him. But just you know, all this all this bullshit just on Twitter. I know that Twitter is generally a really horrible place to go for for football discussions um <laughs> oh yeah i had a couple of great discussions today <laughs> you know but the moment the moment that um the tff um decided that the malta sport game was going to be um going postponed. to be postponed i was like sure you know um yeah in my I, opinion I, it doesn't work in your advantage because you lose wakaeme for the for the match against fenerbahce you know, be, before before even thinking about it, I didn't even think about that to be honest. Um, but thing you know, I of. The, the first thing I thought of was, you know, okay, they made a decision. Um, doesn't really matter because um, the, the the area, as I said, was was hit by a pretty severe earthquake. Um, but you had like a couple of hours before that, Malatya Sport put a put a statement out on Twitter saying that all the all the revenue that was uh, going to be made in this game was going to be donated. So I was like, sure, you know, do it. Um, I'm happy for it. And Trabzonspor put out a statement saying that they will agree with whatever TFF, whatever the Federation wants to do. Um, if they choose to play the game, okay. If they choose to postpone the game, we're also okay with that. Um, but the moment that they decide that the game is going to be postponed, you have the Yena Malatya Spor, um uh, president go go on Habet Turk and talk about how they um, you know how they asked the TFF to uh, keep the game playing uh, to keep the game uh, going on you know because mm-hmm. the area was hit by uh, by you know a, a lot of bad things and they want to boost morale as quickly as possible. Um, on the other hand, you have a lot of um, news guys you know reporters that uh, they are close to the. To, to the Transport board saying that uh, Transport didn't ask for this. Um, they uh, they they asked uh, the TFF to do whatever they want and they would, you know, um, respect the decision. But, you know, out of nowhere, you had ju- you just have Ali Koch going out again, you know, crying his balls out. Um, as I said in our group set, you know, I I wasn't the biggest fan of Azildum, you know, that, that, that much uh, is, to, is to be clear. And I don't think that even a lot of Fenerbahce fans were a fan of the guy. But he, he did what, you know, he was a guy that just said what, uh, did what he said. Um, he didn't, you know, um, cover himself, cover himself uh, behind the guys, behind some people, behind board members. He just went out and did his shit. But then you have the Fenerbahce board. Just, you know, the, the country is going to a tragedy. You know, you have a 
you have dozens, hundreds of houses that have been damaged or uh, you know that fell down. You have dozens uh, of, of 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 deceased. You have thousands of people that are injured, and then you put out a statement saying that well, um, we can't understand why the TFF has done this. Trabzonspor um, played a midweek game in the cup uh, that went to overtime. Um, so the players had a long game. They played 120 minutes. Uh, Trabzonspor have four players that are on the yellow card limit. So um, if they played against Mjernemalatespor, they could have gone, um, you know, they could have been suspended for the Fenerbahce game. We don't understand what this decisions, uh, decision is made for, you know, how this decision is made. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. But that just made my blood boil, you know. I just I don't understand how you can think about uh, sports in a, in, in a time like this, you know. Um, there are people dying. There are people that don't have houses, that don't, that, they, that don't know how their future is going to be like for the next couple of days, couple of hours, couple of weeks. And then you're just crying your balls out, hoping, uh, thinking. How do you cry your balls out, Jacob? Just crying your whatever, you know, just all the all the moisture <laughs> in your body is eyeballs, eyeballs, eyeballs. Yeah, yeah, eyeballs. <laughs> you know, I just it it made me so angry. It made me so angry. And then you have, you know, Fenerbahce fans going to Trotsky's for Twitter account and just keep talking about about everything about about things that happened years ago. Um, trying to, you know, say like, okay, but if this game is postponed, why wasn't that game postponed? Yeah, um, yeah but... Uh, yeah, I have a good was... game in my head that I could say, uh, could point to why was that game not uh, the... thrown out. Was it? And was why it the... didn't you get a 3 nil loss, you fucking assholes. Um, damn it, I shouldn't be swearing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it just yeah. pissed me off, you know, and it was nice to see that the Trouble Sport Board just put out a statement that just said like dude what the fuck is your problem you know is this really the thing that you're worried about at the moment um a lot of um a lot of reporters um i know i know that a lot of uh, tv personalities like um erman Torola and stuff just were so so angry like if, if if their problem is to win the cup just give them the cup you know mm-hmm. it, it at this point everyone is really done with uh with ali coach and and the fenerbahce board it's just it's just unbelievable that you got that, that that some people can think about st- stuff that are so trivial like sports and football where you have people dying yeah. and you have people without but houses. It's, it's, you know? The worst thing is that the, all the crying works. It, it pays off. I mean, look at just this past week, Fenerbahce, who are I believe 100 million minus on their TFF allotted limit, and they get 16 million. Lira freed up to still do transfers. Meanwhile, Besiktas, who are 2 million plus, aren't even allowed to sign their coach yet to make it official, apparently. They have to wait until tomorrow to get to get everything fixed with the TFF. So, I mean, yeah, I just feel sometimes like uh, there's two sets of rule books. There's two rule books, one for Fenerbahce and one for everyone else. And sorry, Fenerbahce fans, but case in point, that whole cup game uh, incident a couple of years ago. Burak, I hope you're listening to this because you know I'm right. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, stop crying and play football, guys. And I, I realize that I say that now as a bitch that's just uh, cried their 
their balls out over that whole Kural Hatasa, but I just think, you know, shut up and play. Sometimes. I mean, you know, you know, I, I get it. Um, we talked about this a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of weeks ago that, um, you know, a decision by the board, by any board to put pressure on the TFF by going, going to the media, going to the public and um, talking about the refs and whatever decision they made is, in my opinion, a smart thing to do. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to say that it's a good thing to do, but it's a smart yeah. thing to do because it, it sways also. referees and the, and the board to, to, to push some decisions yeah. your, your way, you know? Yeah, it but, does. It definitely does. It. It, it That's the sad part. It works. Uh, and it's not just Fenerbahce for the record. Like a lot, of, you know, a lot of clubs put pressure on the referees. I mean, look, Gaziantep just put out a statement the other day, and um, what was it like uh, a couple of months ago? There, I mean, yeah, but you know, the, the smaller clubs try to. They all try. They all try to put pressure on the referees. Of, of course, you know, when the smaller clubs does, nobody gives a shit. So. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when 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 Fenerbahce does it's an entire media campaign, obviously because they do have such an influence in the media, um, and you know, I mean, more power to them for that. But yeah, it gets a little, it gets exhausting. I mean, we can we can sit and argue about um, how we think that the TFF is um, is partial to to a certain team, or you know, is 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 more positive or more helping. Uh, to a certain team, but you and I know that um, people will always pull things from the his from, uh, from from the past that benefited you guys. You know, let's of course if if, if you said something, they will say like, oh, but Bishkash did this or this, but and you know that's not the point. You can go back, uh, you know, years, ages. We're talking about now. You know, it's it 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 really infuriated me. Um, we had some people, especially on Reddit. Um, I made some couple of threads um, talking about the stuff. I, I I try to keep my thoughts um, away from stuff like this, but um, I, I try to keep try to be as neutral as possible. But you have some, you know, Fener fans just. I, I, it's it's good to see that some Fener fans are like Ali Koch, What the fuck are you doing? You know, just shut the fuck up. It's not the moment to do this. But yeah, in general, I think, I mean, I, I understand that Fenner fans are kind of like, you know, just go, 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 just do it. But I think, you know, at, at any other moment, you know, fair game, influence the refs, whatever. But this this is kind of like, look, a tragedy just happened, like a, a real tragedy just happened. So this is not where the priority should be laying right now. Instead yeah. of doing the, instead of making an official announcement on this, they should be sending out condolences. Yeah, which I, I'm sure they did. By the way, I, I assume they did. But yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's kind of the sad state of Turkish football in a way. Um, but also, we have to admit it's kind of what makes it so fun. You know, just all this controversy. It's like the like the tagline, like our tagline says. You know, the uh, exciting, controversial, and crazy world of Turkish football, and that's exactly what it is. Uh, and this is just I mean, yet another example of it, another chapter. Yeah. I mean, if this happened, let, let's say you you lived on the rock for the last month, you know, mm. you didn't have any contact, you didn't have any news sources, and someone came up to you and said, "Khan, um, this happened," but didn't didn't talk about uh, uh, the federation or the teams that were involved in it. If if someone came up to me and said, "This happened," a, a certain team did this, and a certain team did that, 
where did where do you think this happened? The first first choice I would have is like Turkey. It, it must be Turkey, you know, or Greece maybe. <laughs> you know, the whole, that whole area. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really it's really unfortunate. It's really really unfortunate. Most definitely. Uh, well, I think we spoke enough about that. Let's quickly get to the standings, Jakub, if you please. Yes. Um, so in first, still the leaders of the league, um, Sivasport with 41 points. Um, the second um, is Fenerbahce having a good good start uh, in, for the second uh, half of the uh, half of the league. They have 37 points, um, beating Midpol Basakshir 2-0. Um, Basakshir is third with uh, 36 points. Then you have Trabzonspor. Um, and item is Alliance Sport um, that have the same amount of points, 35. Trabzonspor is fourth. Item is Alliance Sport is fifth. Sixth is Galatasaray. Trabzonspor obviously have a match less, so they yeah, can Trabzonspor jump to 38. Yeah, um, Trabzonspor is sixth with 33 points. Uh, Besiktas is seventh with 30 points. Uh, Gustave with their new stadium and their brand new, uh, the first win in the stadium against Besiktas. Um, 29 points uh, just behind Besiktas in eighth. Then we have um, all uh, all the teams um, tied with 24 points. Yeni Malatyaspor with a game in hand. Gaziantep uh, Football Club with 24 points is 10th and 11th. Chaikurizespor also with 24 points. Um, the 12th is Yukatel Denizlispor with 22 points. 14th is Ittifak holding Konyaspor with 18 points. And then you have the battle for the relegation zone with 15th Antalyaspor with 17 points. Kasum Pasha with 15 points is 16th. Um, 17th is Ankara Gücü with 13 points. And bottom of the league, Kayserispor in the 18th position with 11 points. Okay, let's quickly head to the fixtures for next week then. On Friday, Başakşehir here will take on Genshterberli. On Saturday, we have Antalya Sport hosting Konya Sport, Riza Sport hosting Besiktas, which will be Sergen Yelchin's first game as Besiktas coach, of course. Trabzonspor take on Fenerbahce and then on Sunday we have Ankara Gücü with Mustafa Resic Akçay in his first match taking on Kasim Pasha, an important match for Ankara Gücü. Maybe they can get a key win there in the relegation battle. Gaziantep Football Club will take on league leaders Sivaspor, Alanya Spor take on Yeni Malatya Spor and Galatasaray take on Kayseri Spor. Then on Monday we have one match, Denizli Sport taking on Gustepe. And those are the fixtures for match day 20 in the Turkish Super League. Guys, I think we covered everything and then some. Uh, maybe one more thing, quickly your thoughts on the big managerial change. Sergen Yalcin, how, do you, how does his job at Besiktas look? Uh, do you think he can turn things around? Yeah, Umut, I'm going to let you go first. I know you have followed his managerial career quite closely. Well, uh, as you can know, that he's never as quite consistent as a manager, uh, as he used to be as a football player. Uh, you know, uh, as a big team, I'm quite unsure as a, if a big team can rely on him in this uh, bad stage of the uh, table. And, but seeing how Abdullahji turned out really bad, uh, in the last few weeks, uh, getting too many bad results. 
I think uh, some of the Beşiktaş fans might think this can be the uh, solution for that problem. But uh, and uh, also thinking that he's a young manager, uh, well, younger than most of them. And, 47, yeah, pretty young. Yeah, yeah. So could be a good thing. Good solution for Besiktas if he decides to uh, solve the matters and uh, solve his problem of this inconsistency uh, in this uh, stage of his career. This can be a solution for both of them uh, in this stage. Uh, you know, because I know that if Sergan wants to do something, he's really successful at it, but he never just wants to do it you know he's lazy uh, that's the reputation that's the reputation he has at least uh Jakub, do you think he's been working towards this for a while uh i, I feel like he's been working towards the bishop job for years uh and kind of always kept the door open you know if somebody would go out i, I kind of feel like his lack of commitment to other clubs may have a little bit to do with that as well but is this the right time for him to come in? Besiktas are obviously in a difficult period. They they have some deficiencies in the squad for sure. Do you think he should have maybe waited six more months? Or do you think this is ideal? Get in now, get to know the squad, the club a little bit. Of course, he knows the club, but you know he has now six months. I think he will have plenty of credit with the fans. And he signed a one-and-a-half-year deal. Uh, w- would you have come in now or at the end of the season if you were Sergen? Um. If I was Sergen, I would probably come um, at the start of next season. But that that doesn't really a lot to do with him. But more that, um, you know, the, the Besiktas job is not an easy one. Um, with, with, with all the stuff going on right now, I don't think it's a smart decision to, you know, try to right the ship. Um, I'm also never a big fan um, of having old club legends come uh, mm. to, to lead as a manager. Yeah. Even dangerous. though... Even though Sergen has has a pretty good track record with other teams, and he 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 has been a manager for a while now, um, it it can lead to two things. Either he does really well, like uh, like what Unal Karaman did with us and Shenong Ganesh, or he comes in and the results um, start to become a little bit better, and then go really bad, and then everybody starts to hate him. Yeah, I I just don't I just hope for for Besiktas' sake, for Besiktas' fans' sake, for Sergen Yalcan's sake. That um, it, it it goes well for him, not too well, so that um, you 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 end up on top of us. But um, <laughs> you know, um, I think it's going to be hard for him. Uh, I know that a lot of players that 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 play at Bristol at the moment are big fan of him because of obvious reasons, and um, he is a, he is a guy that is known for his for his laid back attitude. I hope that it it can work at a place like uh, like Besiktas where you have really talented players. I don't know if he's that laid back as a coach, though. I always have the feeling that he require, he, he uh, demands quite a bit of discipline from his players, ironically enough. I mean, uh, you remember that anecdote from Efe Jan Karaja, uh, where he said uh, had this funny story about Sergen, where uh, he, he, he told Sergen, Hoja, you, why do you always make us run so much? You never yeah. ran as a player. <laughs> Sergen replied, "If you had half the talent that I have, that you can, you can, st- you can just walk around or something like that." But yeah. of course, uh, you know, 
as a joke. But I, I don't I don't know. I mean, Bistich have a core of, of Turkish players, of course, young and upcoming players. Maybe Sergen will. Uh, he has, of course, he came through the, the youth ranks at Bistich too. Maybe he'll give some chances to some of those players. Um, uh, a question. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Would the Aussies? Uh, departure, probable departure, fan out affect the mm-hmm. decision that uh, uh, Sergey Yalçin is about to come or just wait until the end of the season? No, uh, Ozan said he spoke to Sergen yesterday. Uh, he got Sergen's opinion, but he already made up his his mind that so he he's going. To... Yeah, he's gone. He's going. He's going to Fanoft, which is uh, another uh, interesting matter for me because at first glance I was like, oh yeah, Fanoft's good. good. You can get some minutes. You can get playing time there. You know, maybe get his mojo back, find his smile uh, back, like uh, you know the famous uh, wrestler Shawn Michaels. But then I actually, yeah. then I actually went and looked, and I'm like, hmm, what do Fanoft actually have in their midfield? And they have Leroy Fair. Jens Tornstra and, of course, Orkun Kukchu, their wonder kid. So I'm kind of worried if Ozan is going to get a good playing time. Because one of the things he said, you know, I want to go back to my family because obviously he is from Holland. I want to be close to my family and just, you know. Yeah. I kind of have the impression that Ozan is depressed and that he's suffering from some mental illness, depression, whatever it may be. And that he just needs to... That's really the impression I got. He needs to get away from Turkey, from the, the toxic environment that Turkey can be, um, you know, back to, to this home country where there won't be that much pressure. Just And that's one of the things he said. I want to enjoy football again. Uh, and you just could just see that that wasn't, you know, working out for him at Vistich at the moment. And uh, But I honestly question how much he's going to be able to play at Feyenoord. And uh, the loan is for six months. There's no option to buy. I don't know if that's a decision from Bishkesh or from Feyenoord. I could see it being a decision, of course, because Bishkesh loaned Kyle Laren to Zoltowaringen with a two and a half op- million option to buy. And he's doing really well there. They're definitely going to buy him. And then you're kind of thinking, well, maybe we could have gotten four million for him, you know. <laughs> so I I don't know if that's the case here with Ozan, where they just don't want to tie down to to a fee that they might end up regretting later. But I don't know. Well, you you're from Rotterdam, uh, Jakub. How yeah. do you see his chances? I mean, it's it's slim. I think that mm-hmm. he won't be a starting player. Um, as we said, uh, tor- uh, the 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 final midfield is pretty much. Um, a Tornstra Kukchu first, and then the the, the third player is just um, it is yeah for for the moment Leroy Fair has been playing pretty decent, um, but um, you know you also who, who have could you a, see uh, who could you see Olsan maybe dropping from the side if he ends up getting in there because I mean Okan Kukchu is probably not gonna be dropped no, for Olsan that I, would be madness. I don't see Kukchu dropping. I, I actually don't see any of them dropping, to be honest. So, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know why why uh, why Feyenoord did this. Um, you know, as a, as a Feyenoord fan, as a as a fan of Ozan, uh, as a player, I'm, I'm I'm pretty stoked. You know, for him to come to the come 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 to Rotterdam. You know, I can I can kind of see the decision. You know, as a guy that's that's born and raised in the Netherlands, he's from Zandam, um, yeah. which is uh, Amsterdam, which, right? That's yeah, close to Amsterdam. Is, which is close to Amsterdam. Um, it could be that, you know, the last couple of years at Bishnach weren't the best. I don't know if I want to go the mental mental health route. Um, I don't really like it to diagnose. I, I, don't, I don't really like yeah, it obviously. to diagnose people. But, you know, I, I can understand why he wants to come back to the, to, to Rotterdam. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's going to be really hard for him. 
Um, we do know that, uh, that the Dutch league is a league, the Eredivisie is a league that, um, that is really attacking, really technical league. And um, even though uh, Ozan slowed down a bit, I, I still think that he can play with the, with, 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 the, with, with the better players in the league. I just hope that um, he gets enough, enough time, you know. You have yeah, Feyenoord is playing in the Kanfe Baybaker, the, the equivalent of their cup, the Turkish cup. Uh, they're playing mm-hmm. the Dutch cup. Um, they're at the moment already. They are third. They are ten points behind Ajax, um, and you know they they need they need a little bit of more um, headroom in the midfield. They at the moment only have four midfielders. They have Tapia, Fer, Kukchu, and Tornstra. So I think that it was probably um, um, a a a a uh, yeah. How do you say it? A great uh, yeah, a depth move. So. Um, you know, I hope it, it works out for Feyenoord. I hope it works out for Ozan. Um, as I said in the group chat, I, I would have loved him at Trabzonspor, even though we also have a stacked midfield. Um, I, do, I know that he isn't the best. He isn't at his best anymore. But there is something to the guy, probably because he's a Trabzonspor, that I kind of like the guy for some reason. Um, I just hope that for both yeah. both sides, for Feyenoord, for, uh, for, for, for Ozan and for Bishkash, it works out so we, he can get back to his old form. Yeah. Well, talent-wise, I don't think there's any debate here. Ozan is a very talented footballer. It's just a question of getting his head straight. I'll quickly read his uh, his quotes here, if you'd like. Uh, the president left, the coach left. I can't do what I want to do on the pitch anymore. There's also other reasons. My performance the last year or so has been highly questionable. My family lives in Holland, and I want to go to a place where I can, where I can play... Uh, where I can play, yeah. There's Euro 2020 coming around. I want to be happy on the pitch and regain my confidence. I'm going to Holland to be happy and at peace. I hope I will perform well and earn Besiktas some money. And he goes on. I've also worked I've worked with uh, Senal Gunesh for four years. We, we, I see him as a mentor. Uh, he generally helps everyone. I've spoken to him and asked for his opinion as well as two or three or other important play- people in my life to make this decision, I'm going to Feyenoord. And then finally he said, I've also spoken to Sergen Yalcin yesterday. He had his opinion as well, but I had already made up my mind. I hope this agreement will be good for both parties. So yeah, I mean, I think that just sounds like somebody who needs a change of scenery. Okay. And... uh you know he's 27. He's still quite. I mean, he, he. I mean, right now he should be in his prime, and I think he peaked like three years ago when he was 24, 25, and we all had so, so high, such high expectations of him. Um, but maybe that's also been part of the issue where the expectations became so high because he was already so good at a young age, and it, he just kind of crumbled under the pressure. I think it's definitely what happened. Partially, uh, supposedly, also had a bad breakup. Uh, and yep. stuff like that so yeah things just not going well for him and then of course fans turning on him i was so disgusted when the fans booed him like i mean after three years of, or two years playing very poorly i can understand it but they were doing it like really really early on which i just did not understand anyway uh all the best of luck of course to Olsan and hopefully for Besiktas he can come back play for them again next season maybe under Sergen Yalcin i think i mean Sergen did the unthinkable and, and turn things around for Ozan Tufan, I think, who somebody 
was somebody who everyone had written off already. So why not with Olesan next season? We'll have to wait and see, of course. Anyway, I think that'll do it for this week's edition of Football a la Turca. Uh, Jakub and, and Umut, of course, thank you very much for joining me. And thanks to Pat Cox and uh, Uzar Dinger as well. And once again, rest in peace, Black Mamba. Thank you.